Hello, welcome to the latest edition of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. It's that time of year where every squad is being decimated by injuries and absences, and that's the case for us as well. We're, we're down to two today, so uh, I'm stepping, I'm Tyrone Marshall, stepping into the host's chair. Thankfully, I'm joined by our very own talisman, the man who's had less days off than Bruno Fernandes this year. It's Samuel Lockhurst, here to provide the, the insight and analysis today. Thank you very much. It's quite the introduction. I was, I was going to say we're like the, the, the Matic Fred of, of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this week it's, it's, it's probably the unzi- undesirable duo but we'll try to be as uh, the, the York and Cole this week rather than Matic and Fred yeah we'll try and push things a bit further forward than Matic and Fred normally do and, and see what we can yeah. do on that front uh, we've just had the Europa League draw so that seems like an obvious place to start for United that's a Europa League draw in Champions League clothing basically isn't it probably the toughest tie they could have got against AC Milan yeah it's it's a real occasion, even though it's the Europa League. There's such history between the clubs dating back to uh, the European Cup semi-final in 1958, when extraordinarily, even after Munich, United won the first leg at Old Trafford. So you, you can only imagine what an emotionally charged night that would have been given that a couple of months earlier. The, t- the team was truly decimated, eight, eight players killed, just remarkable that United somehow won that first leg. They they were beaten overall, unsurprisingly. The FA rather callously prevented Bobby Charlton from playing in the second leg because they needed him to prepare for the World Cup, which was a sign of the times. But going from there, the 69 semi-final, there were semi-finals semi-finals in 2007 as well, when Milan really gave United a a schooling in the second leg, winning, I think, that tie in the end. It was was 5-3 on aggregate. That was kind of like the last learning curve for United before they won the European Cup Champions League in 2008 and then we had that mini classic in 2010 in Milan when United finally won at the San Siro that was the last time they played there I believe so it is I've said it before this season it's it's lamentable that there are certain games where there are no supporters present and and this is this is another unfortunately from from a selfish perspective I'm gutted that we can't go to to Milan to the San Siro one of the great stadiums in world football you know we're, we're lucky just just to be able to go to to the home leg but it's you know I've already had a message off a mate who said that he's been to the San Siro to see United play four times it's it's his favorite away ground on the continent so that's that's the only the only downside about this looking at the draw you I was wondering you know who, who do you want essentially just from a journalistic perspective and a personal perspective and there were certain teams you didn't want United to get just because you want to go to these brilliant grounds and these great cities to really take in the culture and have as fulfilling an experience as possible. And unfortunately, they've got Milan. So th- th- there are upsides and-, and downsides. Yes, it would have been nice to have got Arsenal from a personal point of view and know you're not missing out yeah. on any yeah. uh, particular particular glamour trip, glamour trip there. The longer the draw was going on, it seemed destined to me that it was going to be Mulder as well, but we've avoided yeah, the soft sky nostalgia for now. Um, I guess one of the big yeah. side plots here is is the return of, of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and I think we were only talking the other day about how his United career kind of ended abruptly, really, with the injuries, and there was there was no farewell when he did leave, and and this would have been an ideal return to Old Trafford. You can imagine if the place was full, that the kind of reception he'd get. So it's kind of you know it, it's sad in a way that he will return, but he'll return to an empty Old Trafford. Yeah, I think the last time he was actually at Old Trafford, it might have been for when United beat Liverpool 2-1 and Rashford scored twice. He was in the director's box next to us. And then a couple of weeks later, he, he completes his move to, to to the LA Galaxy. I think it's testament to Ibrahimovic that he went out to LA. You, everyone thought, well, he's retiring. He's, he's earned it, given 
how uh, how many years service he gave to competitive football, but he outgrew it very quickly. I think he's had a pretty spectacular debut, scoring twice in it, and clearly he just didn't find it competitive enough. And I remember reading a really interesting interview he gave with, with ESPN, probably about not even not quite 18 months into his time in LA, where he, he kind of lamented the structure of the league, where it was focused more on getting stars rather than generating a, a proper competition out there. And clearly his his knee is in good order again after the injury he sustained with United nearly four years ago. He's come back to Italy. Um, that, that whole myth about the number nine being dead, I think he's, he's killed that. He certainly helped kill that with a number of other strikers across the continent. And it will be great having him uh, to, to be able to watch him back at Old Trafford. He's still uh, you know, playing at an extremely high level for someone who's 38 or 39, I think it is. or He might even be turning 40 this year. I, I can't quite remember. Uh, but he's he's been one of the players of the century. You'd probably say outside Ronaldo and, and Messi, he is, he, he is the player of the century outside those two. The, the longevity that he's had in the game is remarkable. And and, and it was a shame for United that he, he did that injury in because I think if, if he ends that season, he probably scores at least 30 goals. No United player has done that since Van Persie and Ferguson's last season. Uh, and I suspect they wouldn't have finished as far behind City as they did the next season if they did have Ibrahim is optimum and it was pretty telling in that Burnley game where Mourinho trialled Lukaku Ibrahimovic partnership in that Boxing Day game and it started and ended that day it lasted 45 minutes Ibrahimovic came off at half time and then um, that was that was his last against for United unfortunately yeah I mean his persona is is kind of love hate for football fans in in terms of how you take his his public pronouncements but he turns 40 in October and he's still doing it at the highest level. Yeah. I think he's one of possibly second top scorer in Serie A this season. Turned AC Milan for him and also ran into title challenges. And, you know, the way they've been playing, I know they lost to Derby 3-0 at the weekend, but they were in that game. Ibrahimovic forced two good saves. This is probably the toughest draw United could have got, isn't it? And it shows how hard it's it's still going to be to go to go deep in this competition. Indeed, I think it's a testament again to Ibrahimovic that this is the best Milan side since he was last at Milan when they won the title in 2011, I think it was, and they finished runners-up the next season to Juventus. You're in a great position because you've actually subscribed to the, the broadcasters who share <laughs> Italian football. You're one of the few people one of the on few. the planet. Yeah. Uh, in the country that have done that, so uh, I, I did as as you know, I texted you at the weekend. I, I I did want to watch the Milan derby, and I, I, I'm of course not one of those people who looks for illegal streams on the internet. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've never never ever done that before. But as as you say, um, Milan are are a force again. I think that's that's healthy for the for Serie A because Juventus have monopolised it in the last eight or nine years. It's 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 not been. You know, everyone talks about the Liga monopoly and I think understandably so because of the, the Qatari commodity that PSG have become. But um, Serie A has kind of flown under the radar a bit. Even the Bundesliga, people have meant that more for being just completely monopolised by Bayern Munich. Whereas you know, with Juventus, it's always felt as if it's a bit more a bit more competitive when it hasn't been in some land, haven't been a proper force since... Mourinho was last there uh, when they won the treble in 2010. Milan, I think the title they won in 2011 might be the last last piece of silverware they actually won. Napoli have shown promise once or twice over the last decade, but it has it has really been the Juventus show. So it's good to see that, that there is a title race in, in Italy, that the Milan clubs are both 
Bayern to win uh, the Scudetto this season and Juventus uh, have tailed off a fair bit and don't look as strong as they did maybe two or three years ago. So it's it'll be interesting to see how United cope because their record in in the San Siro uh, up until that 2010 game was was notoriously bad. They they, they got as I said hammered three nil in 2007. Um, they lost one nil in 2005. I think they lost that last 16 tie only two nil on aggregate two one nil defeats and they did have good chances in both legs. But Milan's superiority was was so patent across those two games and they probably were the best team in Europe that season but alas for them they came up against the the Scouscots in in Athens and and Liverpool somehow won the European Cup and you know, so it's it did used to be a really tough ground for United to go to a, a daunting ground their, their record I think in in Italy just uh, Italian Stadio is is not great they they beat Juventus at the Stadio delle Alpi, of course, in in '99 to get to the final, and then they did it again in in 2003. But I think just off the top of my head, that they, they might have had might be as few as four wins on Italian soil. Three of them coming against Juventus, the other one being against Milan in in 2010. So whether that has any impact, any bearing on how they perform, play next month, I I, I suspect it, it's not going to be. As, as great as it used to be when Ferguson would willingly talk about it um, in the press conferences before games in Milan or, or Turin. They did actually win in Turin last week, of course. Although I guess these days it's, it's hard to know yeah, who's yeah. you're actually True. on, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. We're, yeah, I, we're presuming yeah. that both legs will be at Old Trafford and the San Siro. I don't think there's any restrictions preventing it at the moment, but we know how quickly things can change. Um, United booked their place in the last 16 with that goalless draw last night. I mean, it shows that we're 10 minutes into this podcast and talking about a game last night for the first time. It was a bit of an odd yeah. event. Yeah, it was as forgettable and as unmemorable and uninspiring and underwhelming as <laughs> I kind of feared it would be. Uh, it probably shouldn't have been. Uh, if if the penalty had gone in, I think that would have done the, the game a favour because it would have, would have given Sociedad some hope. United would have had to respond. I mean, as I said, there was a missed penalty. Both teams hit the woodwork. Daniel James had a good chance, but it, it really was a nothing game. It was one of those behind the closed doors games where, you know, you, you wish the cameras weren't allowed in maybe as well. It was just, as I said, it was a complete, complete non-event in the end. And even Shortire, uh, I think, if that might be how his name is pronounced, I'm still not quite sure. Uh, but even the milestone of, of beating Norman Whiteside's record, it, it didn't feel feel that significant or momentous. Not significant, but as momentous because there were no supporters. Um, it was a goalless draw. It was the last 32 of the Europa League. Uh, I, you know, I think Solskjaer played far too strong a side. He didn't need to pick that strong a team, but he, he said afterwards he felt vindicated in doing so. And I can kind of understand that to an extent because Sociedad did start quite well and United were very lethargic in the first 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, he made the, the changes at half-time, but like you say, it was, I think it was a surprise to everyone that he picked such a strong team and, and started with Fernandez. He feels vindicated now and I guess the result portrays that, but there was, an, there was a risk with that team selection, wasn't there, given given the games, given United still haven't had a free midweek, the amount of games they've got to play, how much football Fernandes has played. There was certainly a gamble within that team selection. Yes, and Fernandes played very well in the first half, but it's one of those games which he should be watching from the comfort of his sofa and his city centre flat with his with his family. But United, certainly in, in games like that where you can 
pick 23 players. Um, it, it does kind of, the, the injury situation can look a bit more acute than it is because you, you do pick more players. You've got 12 substitutes maximum. I think United picked 11 and three of them were goalkeepers. It was, it was kind of surreal to see that. But it, some players were very much there to make up the numbers. And United's injury record has been very good this season, but there have been a recent spate of injuries and that's going to put pressure on them already. You're looking ahead to the weekend and certain selections are probably going to be enforced. Not players getting in, not out of merit because Van der Beek, um, Tomini, Mata, Pogba, Cavani, those those are the major major absences uh, or could those, those five could be out. Solskjaer's not said if, if they are all going to be out, but Pogba certainly is, Matter certainly is. Daniel James could be out injured as well. So all of a sudden it's it's totting up and it's totting up at exactly the wrong time for United. They've got three away games in succession. Manchester City have got three home games in a row. As I, as I said before, I really wouldn't be surprised if United go to the Etihad in a worse position points-wise behind City than they're in already. Yeah, I guess the interest last night probably lay in those substitutions. Ahmad got close to half an hour, just over half an hour, I think, and, and looked very confident and some real bright touches there. You mentioned Shortere and Twanzibi coming on and, and playing in midfield as well. And, and unfortunate with the disallowed goal, really, a fantastic header, but... Are the takeaways from that game, perhaps in the youngsters, in Ahmad and Shortiri's little cameos and Twanzibi in midfield? Probably not a long-term role for him, but displaying his, his versatility, I guess. No, he, he has played there before. Uh, mm. Mourinho played him there in his first first couple of starts, I think. I think, he's, I think he made his first start for United at Arsenal at right back and did very well against Sanchez. So it made it, it was a bit peculiar that Wan-Bissaka started again because I think United are in danger of playing him and running him into the ground. Uh, but Tunzibi has done well in that midfield role before. Uh, Solskjaer was hollering his name a hell of a lot that made you think, is he doing something wrong? But I, I think that was just him offering him some positional guidance in the role that he hadn't played in for close to four years really but it, it was it, it, as I said I think the only way that game was going to be salvageable was something you know connected to one of the younger players be it Tunzibi or Ahmad or Shotire and they all played they Tunzibi looked like he'd got a goal but it was it was rightly disallowed I mean Lindelof did, did poleaxe the guy it was, it was like watching yeah. um WWE or something like that. It was, it was unfortunate. It was completely unnecessary as well. It was extremely mm. clumsy. Uh, so, yeah, we, we were hoping it would be salvaged, but in the end, it, it wasn't. Yeah, it was a phenomenal leap from uh, Twanzibi to actually manage to, to knee the poor fella in the face. Very um, unexpected from Lindelof, rather. Lindelof, yeah. Um, yeah. Looking ahead to Chelsea at the weekend then. Chelsea team under new management. I think they're six games in under Tuchel. Hard to really tell what sort of team they're going to be at the moment. I guess his style is always very sort of alternates week to week in terms of we'll, we'll do what the opposition don't and, and try and restrict the opposition. What have you made of them so far and, and what, how do we expect United to approach the game? They have impressed, I think, getting that win in the week against Atletico will only fuel confidence. I know Chelsea won there last time they went to uh, the Wanda Metropolitano. I think that's how it's pronounced. Mm. Um, when, when Conte was coach, but it was still a a coup in the this game was was a knockout tie. I think that one under Conte was in the group stage. So as I said, that that'll only just get the confidence coursing through the club. Uh, I don't think he's lost a game yet. I think six wins and, and two draws, which is is excellent going for the start of, of your new your new reign at, at a new club where the, the pressure is is going to be intense. I mean Lampard, I think unfortunately for him, he he created the culture that brought him down in the end. In that he was part of that 
player power cottery that um, just kind of ruled the roost for best part of 10 years at Chelsea and they are still a player power club and it was, it was pretty telling that Tuchel has, has already played uh, Arida Belaga. Um, you suspect that might be a condition of him taking on that role in that he has to try and make it work with their £71 million goalkeeper. Um, that, you know, they can't they can't afford to spend more money on another goalkeeper. They've spent the best part of £100 million on two in the last last couple of years in Arida Belaga and, and Mendy. But going off the PSG games, when United came up against uh too cool. You know, it was, it was strange in a way because United obviously had that remarkable, somewhat freakish win uh, at the Parc des Princes when they did get through in, in 2019. The performance in October, I think it would have been earlier this season, was exceptional. I'd probably say that's been United's best overall, certainly Solskjaer's best performance of the season in terms of his, his tactics, his in-game management, the control you had, uh, United had, the, the periods of dominance they had, the introduction of Pogba in the second half, just the, the way they played out that game and given the opposition was was, was masterful that, that night, which makes it particularly galling for United that, that they went out of the Champions League. But Tuchel was one of those coaches, you knew when he sat by PSG that he was always going to go to an elite club. He's not one of these coaches who is going to fade away into the background or who was who was lucky to be there. He's he's already coached Dortmund and, and PSG. You can easily see him going to, to Spain or Italy at some, some other stage. I think he's one of those coaches who could really shake it up a little bit in somewhere like Italy just with his intensity and his approach to play. But as you rightly said, he is one of those coaches who does factor in a hell of a lot what the opposition can do um, and will try and counter them. So it's a difficult one for Solskjaer because he he certainly had a set formula against Lampard last season where it was almost becoming too easy against Chelsea and United didn't always have to play particularly brilliantly to beat them, certainly in that opening game of the season. I, th- I think Chelsea were probably the best better side for the first hour, but then Harry Maguire dispossessed. Tammy Abraham, United up the other end, scored, ended up running riot and winning 4-0. Uh, the two games at Stamford Bridge, they won with a back three. And then when it came to the FA Cup semi-final, it, it, was, it was a really, really strange team that Solskjaer picked. It was almost as if he decided it was, it was a write-off of a game, which is, is bizarre given that it was an FA Cup semi-final. I know United were going for the top four as well at the time. But Chelsea were always going to win that game. As soon, I've said it before, as soon as the team sheet dropped in the Wembley press box, you thought, what the hell is this team? I mean, I think Simon Peach, he actually said to me afterwards, he said he was going to come over to me and say, you know, I think you've made a mistake with your team. It, it just looked that off. He, he thought I'd seen something that was like a fake leaflet or something like that. But I said, <laughs> no, the, 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 the lady had just literally handed me the team sheet. So I was I was very confident in it, but he, he clearly wasn't confident um, in, in that team. And I can understand why. So, as, as I said, it's, it's, it's weird for Solskjaer as well in that I think it's the third Chelsea manager he's coming up against with the yeah. United in a little over two years. So it's, it's a different different commodity altogether, but at least he has the experience of coming up against Tuchel uh, four times already with United. In terms of the United team selection for this weekend, a lot is going to depend on the the players who are close with regards to fitness, I guess, in Cavani and, and James after last night and McTominay, some obvious returns at the back. I, I guess the key discussions, it feels like we're repeating it every week at the moment, but it's a Gea coming back in for Henderson and, and Lindelof starting ahead of Bailly are probably what we expect from Solskjaer. Do you think there'll be any surprises there or do you think that's that's what will happen? Well, it was 
the way that Solskjaer phrased his answer to the competition between Lindelof and Bay that just made me think I wouldn't be surprised if he goes with a back three this weekend. I know that sounds quite incongruous because United have only used that twice this season, both times in the Champions League away at PSG and, and, and Leipzig. So you've got the Champions League finalists and Champions League semi-finalists from last season there. But Tuchel is is an elite coach. He's a coach who commands respect. He is one of those coaches that clearly Solskjaer in the past has felt the need to change formation to to counter. And he did that very successfully this season. So it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if he tries that. And and when you factor in the injuries United have had to contend with recently and the possibility that those players might also be unavailable for this weekend, erring on the side of caution wouldn't be a huge surprise. And he has used the back three at Chelsea before. So I'm just kind of like throwing it out there just in case it happens. So I mm-hmm. look prescient or you know, perceptive to, to what the United manager is, is saying. But th- I think there are a lot of reasons that suggest that he could go with the back three. I don't necessarily think he should. But again, where he's clear as mud with his injury bulletins and there's there's no um, transparency as to whether McTominay will be back or Cavani will be back. It's a difficult one to call. And you would think that given the players he started against Sociedad and the fact that Rashford had 45 minutes, that there has to be some way of keeping the attack fresh without you know just going completely gung-ho and playing all your attackers because they don't have a lot of backup in attack at the moment if Cavani is out and if James is out you're gonna have to play Greenwood, Marshall, Rashford, Fernandes which is you know very attack-minded very adventurous I think a lot of United fans could get behind that despite Marshall's form but who have you got in reserve who have you got on the bench to bring on if you do need a goal if you do feel the need to change it up you're looking at Ahmad and um, that's you know that's asking a lot of him when all his football this season has amounted to has been a couple of cameos for United in the Europa League and a couple of cameos with with Atalanta in the first half of the season. Yeah United's away record remains sensational but it still feels like a a big week coming up three successive away games in the Premier League Chelsea and City sandwiched by Palace at the moment, they're they're pretty comfortable in in the top four, sitting in second. But it, it still feels like a week where what well, the last thing they want to do was put themselves under any pressure for for the top four finish, isn't it? And and this week could be decisive in regards to how easy or otherwise they make it for themselves for the rest of the season. I think if they want to, if they want to prevent City from running away with it, and if they are to somehow mount a credible challenge for the title, they they need to win these three games. If they do that, then they're seven points behind City with what? How many games? Like eleven games to play. That's that's not a terrible yeah. position to be in, especially given what. Yeah, I don't think anybody really foresaw United challenging for the league at all this season. So that that would be that would be you know real progress, despite what people think at the moment, whatever the mood might be. And the mood isn't too bad. Let's face it. I know that the their league form has gone off the ball over the last month or so, but they've absolutely taken that position at the start of the season. They've taken that position at, at Christmas, you'd have thought. But it's it is such a huge ask, and you know the, the Palace game had to be scheduled for this midweek coming up because it was vacant. It's a crammed season. Uh, that game was originally going to be played on the weekend of the FA Cup quarterfinals, so that's why it's been brought forward. I don't think United will be complaining about that at all, but it's just the way it's fallen. It falls in between two other uh, away games in the Premier League to two of the big six sides. And of course, United's big six record this season has been dreadful. I think they've not scored a goal in open play against a 
at big six sides for 810 minutes now, I think it is. Um, I think it's it's still that McTominay clincher in the derby, which was almost a year ago and the last game that we last had fans inside inside Old Trafford. So they've had nine games against big six since then. And I think the only goals they've scored have been three Bruno Fernandes penalties. So they, they really need to arrest that that dismal form because that form has helped them back this season. There's no no doubt about that. But I thought the Liverpool draw last month was creditable. Retrospectively, it looks like a, a bad point because Liverpool's home form has been so dismal since I think they've lost all their, their four home games they've played. But the, the Arsenal draw, that was that was a real killer. I thought that, that came a few days after the Sheffield United defeat yeah. and they had the chances to beat Arsenal. And I think if we're to... Come what may, I suspect we'll be looking back at that week as the week where United's momentum, the you know the title challenge that hadn't even started, it ended that week. Yes, definitely. Um, so start the big week for United. That's probably a good place to leave it for today. We'll get back to the recovery sessions in the ice baths ahead of uh, another <laughs> busy week. Thanks for thanks for your insight, Samuel. Well, thank you, Ty. Really appreciate it. Very well done. No problem. And we'll be back on Monday, probably looking back at Chelsea and ahead to the rest of the week. Uh, do remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a like. And we'll be back next week.